Changed by Love is the teaching ministry of Pastor Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel, Morris Hills, located in Dover, New Jersey. Our desire is to teach the Word of God with passion and simplicity, as well as a direct application for our lives. With that in mind... Other people say, well, you know, this is what you do. You, you sin. It's okay if you, you plan it and you sin on purpose and you sin and you confess it and, and God forgives it. Is that how you want your husband or wife to talk to you? <laughs> so it's sort of this, there's no need for me to really live for God or try to live for God or serve God. You know Jesus loves me, don't you? And you're like, yeah, that's true. And as we've said many times before, that's really not the issue. Does, do you love Jesus is the issue. Most Christians want to live for Christ, but struggle with it. Is there any hope? Yes, the gospel. Today on Changed by Love, the Apostle Paul is going to explain to us that the gospel of Jesus Christ produces godly living in us. When we place our trust in Jesus Christ, the Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. The Holy Spirit brings us in union with Christ and will then lead us and help us in living for Christ. At the end of Galatians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul explains this life-changing theology. Here's Pastor Jim. Are you trying to say that, that, that you're saved by grace and you continue to sin, that's Jesus' fault? Are you, are you blaming him for it? Or, or are you saying that means he's okay with sin? Well, look at the answer. Certainly not. <laughs> Certainly not. He's, he's like, listen, that's absurd to think like that. That's absolutely crazy to think like that. Do you really think that Jesus Christ died on the cross? He's telling them, you think that Jesus Christ died on the cross so it's okay to sin? So you could sin more? Jesus came to remove sin and give us the power over sin, not to promote sin. He's trying to tell these guys, take a minute and think about what the way your thinking is going. Now, to be fair, a couple terms we have to talk about here. Um, to be fair, there is logic in their objection. Now, remember, we're not talking about food here. We are talking about the entirety of how someone lives who says that they're a Christian. So, so what happens is people come in and they set these kinds of rules, you know, Ladies, you have to, you can't wear jeans. Any of you wearing jeans? Sinners, right? You can't, you can't, you know, you got to have a certain haircut and wear certain clothes and, you know, just wear what you want. Just look nice and, you know, just make, I always tell the ladies, you know, and I don't tell them so much anymore. We just say, make sure the guys are looking at the stage, not you. <laughs> so, and, and, you know, and, and just decently and orderly, that's, that's, what, that's what God wants. You want to wear a suit? Wear a suit. Don't be a Pharisee and say you can't wear suits. That's being a Pharisee. Don't be a Pharisee saying you can't wear jeans. Wear, just do what you want. That's, that's okay. You're free in that. So a lot of these guys, they try to control stuff, and they're afraid of something. We've talked about it before called antinomianism. Anti-against nomianism law. And antinomianism is the unwanted house guest. Did you ever have an unwanted house guest? Antinomianism, anti-law is the unwanted house guest of, of saved by grace. 
and it really, in many ways, dominates the church in America right now. You don't really hear about it. No pastor's gonna get up there and say, hey, I'm, I'm antinomian, and um, they're not gonna get up and say it. So you don't really hear, remember we said before in, in chapter one, you gotta smell it. You gotta, you gotta smell it, and, and you'll hear it from your friends, and they'll say stuff like this. Well, we all sin. I mean, nobody's perfect. And this is the way God made me. I'm a man, you know. I won't pick on the ladies on that one. And then they'll say stuff like this. Well, well, you know, I believe, and it sounds so like, oh, wow, I believe that God forgives all sins, past, present, and future. Don't you believe that? And of course you do. Of course you do. But then the natural antinomian thing is then it doesn't really matter how I live. But the Bible's constantly telling us how to live, not to be saved because this is how saved people live, because we want to be pleasing to God, we love the Lord, and because people are watching us. Other people say, well, you know, this is what you do. You, you sin. It's okay if you, you plan it and you sin on purpose and you sin and you confess it and, and God forgives it. Is that how you want your husband or wife to talk to you? <laughs> So it's sort of this, there's no need for me to really live for God or try to live for God or serve God. You know Jesus loves me, don't you? And you're like, yeah, that's true. And as we've said many times before, that's really not the issue. Does, do you love Jesus is the issue. On the other hand, um, <laughs> the antinomians are saying, well, it doesn't really matter. The, the Judaizers and the legalists they react by trying to keep people in line. They pervert biblical holiness with a bunch of silly rules. And then it doesn't really matter what they do. The apostle Paul comes out and he's basically like, man, this is, this is all just, they're both lies. Neither to not care how you live or to think that certain rules and rituals is how God's going to be pretty darn impressed with you. Neither one of those is gospel. Neither one of those are the result of the doctrine of justification by faith and what we're going to talk about in a minute, union with Christ, which are essentially from our standpoint, probably the two most important doctrines in the Bible, that we are saved because we are justified because of Christ, not ourselves. And when we, are, we have faith in the Son of God, when we are justified, and I would be of the opinion that the faith itself is a gift, when we are, when we are justified, we come in union with Christ now, here's the thing. People who would be more of the legalistic side, of the ritual side, will come along and they will say that this doctrine, the people who think that we're saved by rituals and good works, the doctrine of justification by faith, the term they use for it is called legal fiction. That's the term that they use, legal fiction. Let me give you an example of, in our society, what legal fiction is. It's fake. For example, 
a guy comes and he, he gets a girl to marry him so he can become a citizen of the United States of America. And then he takes off. That marriage is legal fiction. It is not real. It is not real. And so the people who are the, the rules crowd says that anybody who says you were justified by faith in Christ alone, that's legal fiction. You're just using that as an excuse not to do all the stuff that we say you need to be saved. But, but the doctrine of justification by faith teaches that when one is justified, they are, they are born again. Everybody argues about the timing. Let's forget about the timing. Let's just stick with the facts that when one puts their trust in Christ, they are justified. They are born again. They are now in union with Christ. They are now one with Christ. What's the terms that the Bible uses for that? You are in Christ. You are a new creation. And the Apostle Paul is saying, if you think what you do did that, you're crazy. You're nuts. If you thought that you could just, you know, do something for five minutes and that negates God sending his son to live a perfect life, dying on the cross, rising from the dead, sending the Holy Spirit to live inside of you, you really, you're out there. Just, and the, the, the logical conclusion is to think that Jesus died on the cross in your place, that it's okay to continue to sin or to think that you're saved by what you do, it makes you actually wonder, does the Spirit of God really even live in you? I mean, how could you think that? And he's going to be working this way for, through the whole book. We are not under the law. We are now going to be under the Spirit. And the challenge under the Spirit is much harder than under the law. And we need to be empowered and led by the Spirit. Now, notice how personal he continues to be. Verse 18, for if I build again those things which I destroyed. He's saying, listen, I destroyed in my mind the whole idea that being a good person, good works, rituals, all that stuff saves me. I, 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 we knew it from the Old Testament. Abraham believed God and it was accounted for him as righteousness. We knew it. I destroyed it in my mind. He says, for if I build those things again, which I destroyed, if I go back to the old ways, he says, I make myself a transgressor. That is a radical statement. He says to return to the rituals is to return to sin. Not that the rituals are sin, but thinking that they save me is sin. He says, I, I destroyed that stuff. And if I go back to it, I'm making my own self a sinner. Now, the Bible teaches that the law, the Old Testament, let's just call it the Old Testament law for now, is a restraint and a guide, also designed to convict, convict us of sin and see our need for a Savior. That's why they were doing those sacrifices over and over again, so they would see their need for a Savior. The law reveals our sin nature, and you see it in your own life all the time, don't you? You work for a company or a church. They have a policy. 
and you'll see a bunch of people going around, oh, these rules. Really? Is that what you tell your boss on payday? Is that what he tells you or she tells you? I'm just here for my paycheck. Oh, these rules. Got to pay you. See, it's not, it's not that we're being told. It's, we hate being told what to do. It's not the policy. We hate it when anybody tells us how to live. Even the Lord. Even the Lord. Once he tells us not to do something, we want to do it. The law is good, but apart from Christ, it produces an independent spirit of rebellion in the hearts of men and women. And sadly, the legalist thinks that they can live the law and the antinomian hates it and has no place for it and both call God a liar. Verse 19, for I, these are such interesting verses, for I through the law died to the law. Very interesting. He doesn't go, the law's dead. He goes, I'm dead. <laughs> he was like, ah, oh, the law, forget the law. He's like, no, no, I, the law's still there, I'm dead. Why? Why did he die to the law? That I might live to God. I died to all that religious stuff, all that stupid stuff, all that stuff that, and it was not that, that, that it was bad, but, but my interpretation of that's what made me right with God. Instead of faith in him, trust in him, I died to that stuff so I might live to him. Verse 20, monster truck verse. I got to read it twice. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. And the life which I now live in the flesh, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. All right, let's go. I have been crucified with Christ. I was on that cross with him. I was pinned to that tree with him. I am dead. I am dead. This is why I don't need to be circumcised anymore. This is why I don't need to be following that stuff anymore. I am a dead man. I am no longer the same man. I am a new creation. Jesus was not alone on that cross. We were up there with him. I have been crucified with Christ. It is no longer I who live, but Christ lives in me. Union with Christ. Again, perhaps the most important doctrine for a human being in the entirety of the Bible. I am united with Jesus Christ on that cross. I am a dead man. And the life which I now live in the flesh is no longer that old man. It is now a new man. Parentheses, don't you dare tell me that I can live however I want. Don't you dare tell me that those things, that, that those rituals, those good works are the reason I'm in union with Christ. No, it's because he died on the cross and I was there with him. The life which I now live, I live by faith in the Son of God who loved me. Can you say that? I live this life because he loved me. Notice how he makes it personal. 
You gotta make it personal. He loved me. Jesus died on the cross because he was motivated by love for me. And because I died with him and I'm a new creation, he's telling us, I am now motivated by love to live for him. The legalist doesn't get that at all. The antinomian doesn't get that at all. He loved me and gave himself, freely offered himself. Jesus said, no one takes my life, I lay it down. He gave himself for me. I look at that cross and I see he did that for me. Don't you dare tell me any other way gets me to heaven. Don't you dare tell me that I can go out and sin like the devil for someone who loved me that much. And the conclusion, verse 21, may be the key verse of the book. I do not set aside the grace of God for if righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. The apostle now tells us how the gospel produces holiness in a man or a woman. He now tells us how people will leave lives of sin and follow Jesus. How crooks become honest. How wolves become sheep. How God-haters become God-lovers. How selfish people become servants. Because he loved me. And he gave himself for me. And when he did, I died with him. Selfish me died with him. By the way, the idea of holiness is almost a concept, is a concept that is almost dead in the church in America right now. Because anytime you talk of holiness, what do people want to talk about? Legalism, rules. What do you think now, loved ones? No, I was crucified with Christ. I was crucified with Christ. In the life I now live, I live in the flesh by faith in the Son of God. He triumphantly says, I died to the law. I died to it. I died to that silly way of thinking that I had before. Now, what is the law? Some would say the entirety of the Old Testament. Some would say the Ten Commandments. Let's just say for our sake, the moral requirements of God. As we've said, God demands perfect obedience to the moral law and the curse of, of, of death for disobedience. And so, and so Christ is taking our curse of death. And so now, as we just said, as we go on in Galatians, we will see that we, we die to, with our, to our attempt to live for the law. We are now governed by the person and power of the Spirit. And so Jesus not only took the curse on the cross in your place, he also lived a perfect life in your place. So if you put your trust in him, that will be credited to you. So he's beginning to teach us how maturity in Christ comes about. Responding to Christ's work in the power of the Spirit through the word of God. It's almost like he's saying, listen, man, I don't need all the rules anymore. Because now I'm led and guided by the Spirit 
I'm motivated by the grace of God. I've been captured. I've been changed by his love. I've been captured by his grace. And the byproduct? Holiness. Giving ourselves to Christ, to live like Christ instead of being selfish. We now have a new power to live for God, not to gain his favor, but because we already have it and we are grateful for it and we want to please the one who loves us so much. He's saying to all these Galatians, listen, the reason some of you come to legalistic conclusions The reason some of you come to antinomian conclusions is you just don't get it. You just don't get it. You just don't understand it. You don't get justification by faith. You don't get what it means to be spiritually regenerated, to be born anew, to be a new creation. You don't get union with Christ And that's why you continue to be powerless over sin. But when you get that, the power that is already in the Christian is able to be lived out. This is where a passion to live for Jesus comes from. This is where generosity and service comes from because Christ is in you and he now begins to live through you. The concept of being dead to sin and alive to God is huge. It explains the powerlessness of so many Christians because they fail to really, really take into just account these little verses of what he has just told us. They fail to see the connection between their justification and their sanctification They're being forgiven of their sins, but empowered to live for God. They fail to see that we never have to give up because God is always at work. Paul's conclusion, I think, is that he might be warning people, you know, if you think you're saved by good works, if you think you're saved by obedience, if you think you can live however you want, you might actually not be saved at all. Because here, when he says here again, verse 21, I do not set aside the grace of God for his righteousness comes through the law, then Christ died in vain. He's saying to everyone, listen, are you saying you don't need Christ to get to heaven? Are you saying you're going to get to heaven some other way than God's way? Are you going to appear before God and singing, I did it my way and thinking he's going to be okay with it? It is blasphemy to say, that Jesus didn't do enough for you, that you need to do other stuff. It is blasphemy to say that what you do adds to what Jesus did. It calls Jesus a liar when Jesus says it is finished. It says, no, no, there's a few more things that need to be done, and I'm the man to do it. I'm the woman to do it. Paul's saying here, if if you think these things can save you, the reality is you're still dead in your sins, But it also says something really important to God, that his son's life and death and spilled blood was wasted. See, the grace of God provides what the law and what we ourselves never could. 
perfect righteousness and the life of Christ living in us. Jesus said, it is finished. And the resurrection said, amen, it is finished. That's it for today with pastor and Bible teacher Jim Kevney of Calvary Chapel Morris Hills in Dover, New Jersey. We hope and pray that Pastor Jim's simple and passionate verse-by-verse, line-by-line teaching through the Word of God is bringing growth to your Christian faith. Now that you've heard from us, we would love to hear from you. Please let us know how we can pray for you, answer any questions you may have, and let us know how Change by Love has helped you. Perhaps you want someone to explain to you how to have your sins forgiven, how you can go to heaven, and how you can get started or restarted in your faith. Maybe you're looking for a good Bible-teaching church in your area, or maybe you just need someone to talk to. Remember, friends, we are here to serve you and to help you, so that someday the Lord will use you to serve and help others. That's the way the kingdom of God works, and we're thrilled to participate with you in the adventure. There are many ways to contact Pastor Jim and the team here at Change by Love. All of our contact information is on our website, www.changedbyloveradio.com. Once again, that's changedbyloveradio.com. Maybe you would like to bless us by writing us a card or a letter. Our mailing address is Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Once again, that's Changed by Love, 158 West Clinton Street, Dover, New Jersey, 07801. Please join us next time on this same station. Until then, stay close to Jesus, and we know that you too will be changed by His love.